The standoff in Lucasville comes to a bloody end, and Carrie launches a special investigation with surprising results. We are breaking down two episodes of Homeland next. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Piano. There it goes. The music. <laughs> I love that. I love That's it. Homeland. That's my Homeland, Jan. <laughs> Gotta wait for it to drop. There it goes. Is that a trumpet? Is that a trumpet? Yeah. It's a trumpet, right? It's I'm a sorry. trumpet. Hello, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the Homeland After Buzz show. I am your host, Leslie. How's it going, everyone? And my name's Roger, and we are going to get down to it. Talking um, episode four and five for Homeland, um, like bad at things. And episode five, Active Measures. We had um, we missed a week, but we're back, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about these two episodes. There's a lot that happened. There is a lot. The season is now in full, at full speed. It is. And um, there's a lot of stuff happening with Carrie, with Saul, with O'Keefe. He's like a major player. O'Keefe came out of nowhere, and now, like, I feel like... Is he in the? Is he like one of the top names in the cast? I mean, like, for this season, he has he's to definitely be right? a major character. I mean, he was big last season, but I feel like his storyline is front and center. Ooh, ooh. What, what did you? Let's start with episode four. Like bad at things. What were your overall thoughts? Uh, episode four. I actually was really excited with this episode. I feel like Homeland when it delivers, it delivers, and it ha- it had everything I wanted. I mentioned uh, the uh, last time we were here that you know it was very reminiscent of the Waco situation um, with the Branch Davidian people, mm-hmm. and it felt just like that. I was like, stuff is gonna go down, and it did. It I did mean, go down. <laughs> it's all O'Keefe's fault. It is. Oh, man. Just, it was jam-packed. It had a lot of action. I don't think we've seen that in Homeland for a while. So I feel like if you just started Homeland and that was the episode you saw, whoa. It it blows your mind (laughs) right off the bat. The dominating storyline in episode four was Saul O'Keefe trying to, you know, handle this standoff going on with the militia and with the FBI, and obviously um, they both admit in the episode that they sort of lose control of the situation um, and it ends you know, very bloody. Um, and sort of in the back burner, I think, of episode four was Carrie's storyline um, investigating um, this woman Simone, who she's suspected of working with Wellington, doing kinds of shady stuff. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that was sort of, and then we have um, Keen, you know, still dealing with her chief of staff, Wellington. And that's kind of where the episode started was he comes over, or she comes over to his house, and um, he admits to her that he was the one who ordered the militia, or, or, or the strike, that she had um, explicitly said not to. Um, <laughs> and... I don't know, it feels like he kind of just got away with it with just, like, a slap on the wrist. It's funny. I feel like the theme of the story, the theme of the show is now, like, how much can we defy the president? It's insane. You can't have a chief of staff just completely go against the wishes of the president. At this point, you have a president that's really not controlling the country. And for him to... We end the episode episode four with him officially doing the command, and that's that's scary. You're you're controlling the most powerful nation in the world is being sent orders by the chief of staff. 
I I wouldn't be happy about yeah, this. Yeah, at the end of episode three, that's when he made that. And then at the beginning that's of right, episode right. four is when she finds out it's him. And he sort of just says, oh, well, you know, it needed to be done. Um, you know, the next day, all of the morning talk shows were loving you, saying it was <laughs> a great move. And, um, and, and, and then he sort of kisses her butt a little bit. Like, you know, since the beginning, I've always believed in you. Uh. And I'm doing this all for you. And I don't know if she bought it, but, like, obviously, he didn't go punished. He even offers, like, I'll turn in my resignation, you know, if you want to fire me. And nothing comes of it. Smooth talker he is. And to be fair, I mean, if you're a chief of staff, you have to be a smooth talker. I I was I was impressed with the way he wriggled, wiggled out of that. But that's, that's, that's completely unacceptable in subordination. Like, that's, that's, un- I, I don't even know how to describe that. Like, what's the punishment for that? Like, that's, you can't. These aren't elected officials. These are the most trusted officials of the president to make sure that they follow the agenda of the president. And if you're not doing that, then you're not really working for the president. You're not really working for the country. So who are you working for? Ugh. Ah. I mean, yeah, there was a moment where we were suspicious of him do maybe possibly working with another entity. Um, and we'll get to that later, but it doesn't seem like that's exactly the case. I was disappointed in Keen because I feel like I wish she would have shown some sort of, I don't know, a little bit more strength against him. Um, because especially when she was in the past with people who kind of turned on her and this felt like she let him off very easy. And maybe it is because she does have a history with him and she feels like she doesn't have enough people around her that she can trust. But it's like, if you can't trust this guy, what's the purpose? Like, are you really in control? Are you really the president? You know? Poor Keen. To be fair, she's probably really drained. Like, oh my God. Like, we, we since day one, this, pers- this woman has been opposed by her own team at at some point you know i don't even know if she has a military i don't know if she has her own executive office i don't know if she even has the will of the people i mean she has all that but yeah (laughs) it it, it does feel like she you know she really isn't the one making the shots um calling the shots brutal um so yeah, uh, we start off with uh, with back um, at the standoff, um, Saul and O'Keefe, and there's the, there's just so much firepower um, going on on both sides, and there's concerns about you know the women and children in there, and he's like you know I'm gonna make sure he tells the family I'm gonna make sure that I turn myself in before anyone gets hurt, and obviously that <laughs> that, that doesn't happen at all, um, and at some point. There is a, uh, there, there's a, a sh- the, the young teenage son of the family, he goes off and because his dog got shot at and then he holds his gun against the police or against the FBI and then they shoot him. It, that was that moment. That scene was very mm-hmm. like. What a what a mess, right? Yeah. What a mess. Like the, the, the guy, the, the kid goes out chasing his dog. They shoot the dog because, again, more than likely, uh, he was going to attack the people. Or uh, it's understandable if they were to have the belief that he, they were going to be attacked. And so then the kid comes out. But it, it does point at them. Yeah. You know? And yeah. um, I don't know. It, it That is sort of what sets the, you know, sets the chain of the terrible actions that happen afterwards. Um, they take him inside. Now the militia, O'Keefe's militia, even though he doesn't seem to have much control over them anymore, <laughs> or so he says, um, it's like they're out, they're hungry for blood, they grab one of the FBI guys and hold him hostage. That whole situation felt kind of like, kind of weird. Like, I was kind of surprised that the militia folks were able to um, 
come on so quickly and take an FBI agent. You know what I mean? Yeah, but again, in these in, in these situations, anytime you have a standoff, uh, we've had officers be killed in the line of action. That includes FBI officers. Um, that includes CIA officers. It's it's it it could happen. I think this was a delicate situation where they were trying to be as careful as possible because it, I mean we saw it ended in the <laughs> we're talking about the, the the shooting of the kid, but they did kill the dog. Like at this point, oh my god, you're you're kind of just setting up all this backlash against you. It's bad. Um, <laughs> O'Keefe and Saul have a couple of phone conversations. And basically, um, Saul's like, I want to get the women and kids out of there. I want to um, get um, the 16-year-old kid out there first. And then um, there's going – there's back and forth with them. They handle their each sides. And eventually, you know, they are able to get the 16-year-old boy out in, into an ambulance, even though the militia is kind of like – overly suspicious of <laughs> of these paramedics. And I mean, I guess eventually one of them drops like a, a bug or a microphone in their house. They attach it to in. the, yeah, that's right. But that's right. It, it, that whole scene, I felt like I, it was weird watching it because you see um, the these militia guys and it's like they're the police officers and the paramedics people are like, you know, <laughs> suspects and they're like, hands up, let me search this. It, it was it was so weird. It was such a justification or or juxtaposition of like what you normally see yeah and and that's that's what's gonna happen anytime i i will say i i feel like you know that whether you believe in having the right to carry a gun or not i i think that's what happens when you are allowed to carry a gun um you let you lead yourself to situations where whether you're right or you're wrong you want to defend yourself um, in the case of a situation where you're being attacked, uh, whether it's be by any entity that includes the FBI. And in this situation, I feel like they were already swarmed in by the FBI before. So, yeah, they're going to be extra protective. I don't agree with it. I think they're they're insane. And obviously, I mean, the result is not only are they insane, but they're not going to win. Oh, my God. Like, the tanks came in, like, ramming through everything. You're not going to win. But... That's not exactly the point of having a gun, right? The whole point of having a gun is that you defend yourself to the last minute. And so they they were cautious, and rightfully so. Again, the FBI is not going to be your friend in that situation. So if you could defend yourself, they're going to. They're definitely very gun happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that scene, I just, that scene with the militia and with the ambulance, it just felt like it spoke volumes on how much they distrust any kind of government agency that's trying to help them even down to the 911 ambulance like they're very distrusting and again all of their anger and their um you know hatred whatnot was flamed by O'Keefe like he he reiterates that you know it got out of control it was out of his hands but he still refuses to give himself up even after the 16 year old boy was hurt yeah and um and the mom calls him out on it she she's like, what are you what are you doing? You said you would give yourself up before anybody got hurt, and that doesn't happen. And not only that, he uses the shooting of this boy to sort of continue to rise emotions on his little podcast or his broadcast. He's still out there, like so. Anytime that they showed close ups of his face when he looked like he was somewhat remorseful, he would go ahead and do something else, like still broadcast. So it's like, you know, you're not learning anything. You're still fanning the flames. Why? Yeah. I think, and I've said it before on our on our previous shows, 
I think he's just a troll. I don't think he has any basis behind any of his um, stances. I don't think he actually believes most of his stances. He's a he's a legitimate troll. The fact that when they shot the kid, the first thing he did was go and show the blood on TV. And the mother didn't like that. And then later, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was episode four or five, but he brought it up again later on when the FBI swarmed in. He... That's his life. To him, being in front of a camera, talking to his public, and being able to grieve, being able to air out his grievances, that's him. That's that's literally O'Keefe's lifeblood. And I don't know if he even realizes that. You're right. I'm not sure if he is remorseful. I think he's more scared than anything. I think he doesn't even know how to react to any of this. He was kind of shocked when they took him in to begin with. He's like, Okay. Like, he, I don't even think he comprehends what, what's happening. I see what you mean. I, and I do agree. He is more scared than remorseful. Because <laughs> there were times where I was like, okay, he's starting to see how crazy this is getting. He's going to feel bad. For a second, I was hoping he would do the right thing. But he yeah. never does. And, yeah, when he's talking about um, the teenager, the mom has to come in and be like, shut up. She literally <laughs> interrupts his broadcast. Yeah. And it's like... You're exploiting my son who is bleeding somewhere in a hospital. Um, but then later when the when the FBI full, full goes in and there's a raid, he's still doing the same thing. It's like, wow, dude. You know? Um, to his last breath. Again, yeah, you're right. They He's still doing it there. The FBI is swarming in. He could die right there. And how does he want to go out? He that, wants yeah, that is how he wants to go that out. That is how he wants to go out. It's ridiculous. It is. Um, let's backtrack a little bit to how the FBI ended up swarming the place. So what happens is that um, the 16-year-old boy's in the hospital, and he's being taken care of, but some mysterious guy sort of sneaks his way through um, the crowds, gets into the hospital, and snaps pictures of him, like, the second some they left his side, and sends it out to the media um, or a news channel, and basically, you know, he's being left to die, like, ble- bleeding to yeah. death. Um, and as soon as that report goes out, Saul calls um, O'Keefe and he's like, you have to do something. You have to tell them it's not true. He's fine. And, you know, it's fake news or whatever. Um, And O'Keefe just freezes. And he literally sees everyone around him, like seeing the reports, getting riled up. And he freezes. And so what happens? The father goes and he shoots the FBI Uh, agent they have uh, hostage. uh. Like what? What do we do? <laughs> I, I, I promise, like that—he's literally the cause of all these deaths. He could stop it. He keeps yeah. saying he can't, but I believe that if he would have, they would have listened to him. Yeah, I mean, they—they—they're the reason he's there. At the end of the day, even even if you have a few that that at this point are beyond whatever uh, agenda you have, there's a lot of people that are truly there because of your message. Yeah, you're right. He could stop this. And we're reminded of that. I was reminded of that when the boy was laying um, in the hospital bed and we see the shot of O'Keefe's face. And I was like, yeah, like this guy had his face tattooed with Rebel. Like they're so like blindly devoted. So, yeah, once the FBI guy gets shot, all hell breaks loose and they storm and it's guns ablaze. and, And again, we kept seeing how prepared, how fully supplied this militia was. They still get squashed. It's like you don't. You're fooling yourselves if you really think you were going to take down the FBI. If they truly believe they were going to take down the FBI, they're 
definitely fools. Again, just from the perspective of, you know, gun rights, I, 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 if, if they want to fight to the very last breath going out guns a blazing, that's on them. I think it's a, it's dumb regardless. Cause, um, you the guy don't, they're you, fighting for is like, you know, on his knees in the basement hiding yeah, like a coward. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. At this point, I feel like once it, once it got to that point, and the dad shot the FBI officer. I don't even know if there's any complete... I don't even know if there's a rational mind in that house at the end of that. Well, it sucks because I, I get it. The dad's probably so... Like, he's yeah. done. Yeah. He literally, in that moment, all of his fears are confirmed that they trusted them to take care of his son. And he sees this picture and he thinks, oh my gosh, they are... They, they let my son die, so I'm going to let one of them die. Um... But yeah, that's how the episode ends, and it, it, it's pretty crazy. It is crazy. Like, that left me shook. Like, <laughs> I, I was shook if after that. Shook like, to the core. Shook to the core. Like, how do you end an episode that way? Yeah. Like, oh my, like, that was definitely one of my favorite episodes out of the whole series. It was it was very jam-packed. I enjoyed it that a lot. It was packed. Um, and, and, and it's sad because uh, a little bit, like, as the middle of all of it's happening, um... Keen calls Saul, and she's just like, you You have to stop this somehow. And he's just like, it's happening. It's too late. It's out of my hands. <laughs> yeah. um, it sucks because I really wanted Saul to fix this situation. And I was praising him in the beginning of the season. Like, he has a level head. He's going to, you know, defuse it. And one of the FBI guys calls him out, and he's like, look what you're, like, peacemaking led to or you know trying to like be the good guy in the beginning and unfortunately it was true maybe if he had just like taken O'Keefe by force right then and there you know all of these lives would have been spared but you know just like anything in politics diplomacy is hard um even going to war is hard any any type of confrontation is hard you you have to you have to measure everything that's that could potentially happen. Saul has years of experience working for the CIA. I, I feel like he figured that this would go a certain way. I don't think he expected it to go non-violently. I actually feel like he probably thought it was going to end pretty pretty much uh, with people shooting at each other. But I don't think he expected that to happen. And to be fair, no one... I mean, and we see it in the next episode. No one would expect a potential foreign entity to interfere in a domestic issue and fan the flames, and fan the flames. yeah I, I do think saul um thought he could reason with o'keefe and that was his short-sightedness maybe that o'keefe really wasn't gonna ever you know give up even he obviously let it all happen yeah um but anyway so also in this episode <laughs> carrie <laughs> moving on to another thing carrie um is still you know gung-ho on finding out what's the case with simone who seems to be the chief of staff wellington's girlfriend or friend or co-conspirator who knows um but uh she you know she's watching him and um Max comes over, and this episode, her and Dante sort of continue their investigation into her. They find out about all of these multiple transactions that she has been, um, that she received the day before um, General Clinton's murder. So all of this is just starting to look more and more suspicious. Um, In between all of this, her and Dante... They meet, I guess, an old drug dealer friend of Carrie's. <laughs> I, I'm running out of friends here. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know who they are. She has a lot of friends. Um, <laughs> who give her some drugs, a cocktail to take care of herself 
while she's sort of disobeying her doctor's orders, lying to her sister about what she's taking. She's handling her mental health very callously right now, um, very careless. And, you know, at some point she has a confrontation with her sister who is like, are you even taking this because it's late, you're up and everyone's asleep and your medications are supposed to be knocking you out. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious that if you know Carrie, you know how she's supposed to act under her medication. It's obvious. I mean, even when you start a season and you're like, wait a minute, has she taken her medication yet? Like, we just know her. We know exactly how she acts. And if we know how she acts, we her sister definitely knows how she acts. So it, it is kind of, I, I don't like these people that have come into her life because I don't think she needs this right now. I, I, I mentioned before that it's her lifeblood. You know, she always needs a fix to, to go out and help the country in one way, in, a, in some, for, some, some sort of fashion. But I feel like these friends came in and they're, you know, they mean well. And they want to they use her talents to try and solve uh, potential crimes against the country. But it's not good for her. And if they were truly her friends... They would leave her alone. She doesn't need this. She is barely functioning after everything she's gone through. I mean, we could go through every season, and she's gone through pretty traumatic things. And in fact, when season one started, we had already known that she messed up something prior to that. I believe around 9-11. I don't remember exactly. So she's gone through a lot. I I feel like at this point, we should let her rest a bit. Well... Unfortunately, she was the one who pulled herself into this. Like she pulled Dante in, and then Dante pulled her in, and now she's, uh, you know, yeah. neck deep, and she can't go back because she needs to figure out what's going on. Um, her sister f- practically forces her to take a pill in front of her. Um, but I feel like the show is very deliberately showing us that she's being careless with her medications. She isn't really focusing on her mental health. She's distracting herself with this case. And, you know, at some point in this episode, she tells um, Dante, you know, it's going to get really bad. And your badge isn't going to save you after this because she has an idea of how to, you know, try to figure out what's going on with Simone. And essentially, she's like, you have to kind of also make sure that I'm watching this. (laughs) Or, or, Or you have to watch me and make sure that I am taking care of myself and taking my medications and... It's a lot of responsibility to put on Dante. It is, but he knew what he was stepping into. No, but I am just, like, surprised that she would give someone else that responsibility. That's true. That's true. I mean, regardless, I mean, we've said this before. Like, the fact that her sister is in charge of her medication, whoever it is that's that's taking care of Carrie, and it's happened to Saul before, it's a big responsibility. Like, whoever it is, whether you're a close friend, whether you're a, a someone that's worked with her for a long time, to actually take care of someone's medical issues and their well-being, that that changes a perspective, even with close friends or family. Like, it's, it's really hard for you to take that toll on you. And again, this isn't just a friend or family member. She's worked for the CIA. She's working for complex cases. You're really mixing up things that shouldn't. And I actually don't think this is going to end well with her and Dante. I feel no, like... No, of course not. No, it's not. I feel like their relationship, whether it, it, it's it's based on a good standing or not, there, there's too much there that's going to mix that's not meant to mix. And I don't think that's good for... I don't think it's good for Carrie, the FBI, or or the country at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, Carrie being reckless isn't something new, but this is a new <laughs> level of it, for sure. Before we get into discussing episode five, Active Measures, I want to let you guys know about a 
new podcast, Conversations with Maria Menounos. So if you ever want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life, this is a great podcast for you. Um, Conversations with Maria features celebrity and influencer interviews along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects from life, from health to wellness to career, relationships, finances. Maria Menounos is the big sister that you've never had, and it's yeah. going to be a great podcast. I love that. I mean, who who else, who better to get solid advice about the entertainment industry, about health issues, about, you know, the, the world in Hollywood than Maria? It's it's perfect. I love it. She was actually at, um, I believe she was at Chloe uh, Kardashian's baby shower this weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, right in the thick of things, things are happening out here. I think that's great. Yeah, for sure. She knows all the ins and outs of Hollywood. Um, she's had a long career and obviously a lot of, you know, things that have happened to her in her personal life. She obviously has a lot to say and a lot of great advice. So just go to iTunes and subscribe to Conversations with Maria Menounos for free. And be sure to rate and comment when you do. Let Maria know um, it was us who got you there. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, Conversations with Maria podcast. Definitely want to check it out. I love it. I, again, I, if you if you if you can, definitely go and check that out. There's, yeah, I'm gonna be listening. Yeah, her. there's no one better to listen to advice uh, in, in in these matters than Maria. So I'm excited for that. That's cool. Cool. So let's move on to episode five, Homeland Active Measures. So this one wasn't um, as like action. Well, it, it had action for sure, but you know, obviously, it does take a little slower pace from the previous episode um, with the standoff. Um, but it sort of follows, picks up pretty quickly. Um, we find out that 19 people died, including children, which is very sad. Oh my god! FBI agents <laughs> and Saul um, discusses with O'Keefe what's going to move on after this. And he basically wants to know about the guy who took the picture of the boy in the hospital. And O'Keefe is like, that was not me. I don't even have resources anymore. I've been literally living like, you know, a person on the run with very little resources. And Saul believes him. It's it, it the way everything panned out. It's scary, and I mentioned before on the show. You know, there's there's times when people have issues with politicians. There's times when uh, you know the left or the right uh, have their own perspective on things, and sometimes we don't get along. I feel like the important thing that people should remember is that democracy is always fragile, and and this is a perfect example of that. You know, you have someone like O'Keefe who not only saw but the president herself saw someone that was more than influential. They saw him as a potential domestic terrorist. And in doing that, I feel like they overestimated this guy. They were like, oh, this guy's going to rile up his team. This guy's going to come out with guns a-blazing. And he's none of that. Again, like I, I said before, he's simply just a troll. But unfortunately, when you start meddling with things, democracy is it, 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 it has the tendency to have people go towards certain subjects that you might not expect at times. And when you do that, you have unexpected voters, you have unexpected agendas, you have groups. And once once you have groups that come in with their own beliefs, it's hard to control. And especially if you're someone like O'Keefe, who obviously kind of doesn't really care behind his own behind his own mantra, it, it's it's scary to see how 
how deep this got. You're right. It ended up with children dead. It ended up with people just being shot to death. It, this could have had. This couldn't have ended any worse than it did. It, it really was bad. I think it's interesting that you say that the White House um, overestimated him. I feel like I could see it both ways. Yeah. Obviously, he did create lots of problems. He created this huge, complicated situation and anger and more volatile um, feelings towards government. But at the same time, I feel like almost if they hadn't put so much attention on him, maybe this situation wouldn't have happened. Maybe the fact that they did make him into this bigger threat and figure, this domestic terrorist, all of these actions led to that. Because, you know, if he would have just been on the run and He would have kept saying his stuff, but there wouldn't have been this, you know, need to defend him now because there's an FBI presence. And now there's one side who wants to show them, oh, no, O'Keefe's our guy. We're not going to let you take him. So maybe it was all yeah. part of their own doing. And it's, you're right. It's a defense factor as well. Because any any person that buys a gun, un- unless you have, you know, other purposes, realistically, most people end up buying it for defensive purposes. At least that's the argument that's usually set out. Whether it's to defend your family, to defend yourself, to defend yourself against the government, whatever the case. So, yeah, you're right. Once you put his people in a defensive stance, now it makes him, it makes them come forward with their guns. Uh, it's it's a tough situation. I, I completely get it's that. It's very tough. I feel like, again, she O'Keefe got him in custody now, but at what cost? Yeah. If that yeah. if 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 she hadn't you know assigned a special you know advisor security advisor Saul um, into making this you know his number one priority again he might have still been out there trolling saying bad broadcasts but now you wouldn't have had this awful situation so you yeah. know yeah. It's, it's very unfortunate um, and Saul does tell him you know you could have stopped this and O'Keefe just doesn't he almost washes his hands of it he does not want to take any kind of responsibility <laughs> he's just like. You know, this happened, that was it, and, you know, that's it. Did we expect anything more, honestly? Right. <laughs> I want, I, you know, I, I still... You see, you see some good in him, don't no, you? No, I don't, I don't. I just, I was really hoping uh. he wouldn't just, he wouldn't just be a complete tool, but he really is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, we see the president getting briefed uh, with Wellington about other situations that are going on. And, again, like I said, it seems like he's just off the hook. You know, they're working as usual again. Um, and Carrie sort of starts – this was the driving storyline in this episode. She puts together a special operations team to investigate Simone. And she brings in some old friends of hers, uh, this guy named Anson, who I guess – she used to mess around with. Again, I'm losing track of all these friends. Um, he's in like some dinky trailer and he's separated from his wife, but he's down. <laughs> she assembles this team together and uh, they start this covert operation into Simone and they're going to kidnap her <laughs> or, you know, shake her down. That seems to be the requirement to helping out Carrie. Are you down? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And during this whole episode, I was thinking like, who is funding this? Why are these guys agreeing to it? <laughs> Carrie's still unemployed. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe it's Dante, because he's still in the FBI, but from it seems like this isn't really his normal job. It just seems kind of like, I don't know, it feels like a little bit of a stretch from the writers as far as, like, they want to keep Carrie involved and, you know, in the storyline. But it, this whole time, again, I was just like, 
how is this happening? This is her own rogue mission. They've all gone rogue. They've all gone rogue. This whole mission, this this episode, this show, it's gone rogue. I don't even know why Carrie does the things she does anymore. Realistically, you're right. She doesn't get paid for any of this. So obviously she just does it because she wants to. Like, I, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I actually had a thought when you brought up the whole FBI thing. I, this show was supposed to be about the CIA. We, we've gone rogue. We've gone, like, beyond the CIA. Not This show was supposed to be about Carrie dealing with things as part of the CIA. And even when she got kicked out, we still got to see some of that because Saul was still part of the CIA. Do we even know who's in charge of the CIA anymore? Though, though, you know, we brought up Russia in this episode, so mm-hmm. maybe we'll get back to it? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely see what you're saying. I, I'm starting, I mean, I've always kind of thought this. The show is about Carrie, really. Yeah. It's about Carrie and her journey. And it's, you know, the situation with her mental health has always been at the forefront. Her kind of getting away a little further deep into her missions or investigations. She never really knows when to say when. <laughs> um, and because even right now, they are trying to figure out, I guess, who possibly might have murdered McClendon. Yes. Like, it's no longer about the mission that she started with at the beginning, which was like, oh, you know, Keen is breaking the justice system and not giving people due process. And now it's just this other wild conspiracy theory that in the end didn't really pan out. It might be something else. I know, right? Like, this episode ended with even that possibly not being uh, actually what they thought they were going after. And that's why I go back to her friend, the, uh, I forget his name, uh, the FBI agent. Dante. Dante, I'm sorry. I feel like when, when Dante brings up Carrie to help him with his missions, there, there's a lack of, of friendship there. There's a lack of care on his part. I feel like, granted, again, he works for the FBI. He's trying to just do whatever he's trying to do that he's been assigned. But it, it, it feels a little bit a little bit disingenuous to say that you're here for Carrie, you care for Carrie, when realistically, you're just putting her on, on random missions that, is, that aren't good for her. You know what I was thinking? Because I thought about how I was annoyed with him in the previous episodes, because I, yeah, I was like, really, do you absolutely need Carrie? Yeah. Like, you have no other FBI or CIA or whatever agents that could do this with you. But then I was thinking, if anything, it's very Carrie. How many missions has Carrie, like, sort of coerced people or convinced mm. people to come in and, um, you know, it ends up going awry? I think she's done it with people who were her, um, you know, double agents or who were her spies or her contacts. And they probably could have been in a situation where they didn't need to be involved, but she brings them in. So if anything, hmm. she's kind of getting a dose of her own medicine. I was hmm. thinking about this. That's a good point. Because I, I was like, maybe I'm being too harsh on him because Carrie's really always been reckless with other people as well. So it's just sort of happening to her too. Like he's not really thinking about you know, what's best for her. He's just sort of like, she's going to help me on this and that's what's going to happen. That's a very good thought. I, I never even thought of him being a parallel of Carrie. That's interesting. I, that, that actually would explain a lot. <laughs> of her own behavior um, in the past, for sure. It, it would explain a lot of his behavior because it, it, he almost feels ridden to a point where he feels like a, a mean old boyfriend that came back into the scene. But if he's meant to almost be a reflection of how Carrie treats others. And not only that, but it probably shows that these are the type of people that she herself ends up 
attracting based on the way she acts. It, it, that's a very interesting analysis. I, I like that. Yeah, I feel like it's people who are so driven with an objective or with yeah. their mission that they have tunnel vision. They don't really consider anybody else, um, much like Carrie. Wow. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I am. I, I hadn't thought of that until now. I, and that makes me like him a little better. <laughs> that, that's actually very, very well thought. Like, I, I just can't imagine someone, even the fact that she was like, oh, you're going to have to take care of me in my meds, like you mentioned. And he does. And he and shows he, that in this yeah, episode. That's weird. All of these actions feel like Carrie. And, and they feel like each other. And I feel like in the end, I don't know if they're going to, when you have two Carries clashing with each other. I don't think you get a good result. No, yeah. If anything, so if this theory is correct or just this, um, you know, observation, he's probably going to have really good intentions to take care of her. Like to this episode, you know, he was keeping track of when she was taking her pills. But it's not just like Carrie has constantly disappointed and gotten people killed in past seasons. I'm not saying that he'll get her killed, but it's not going to end well. My mind sure. is blown. Like my like that's a really I I this episode I wasn't that excited for mm-hmm. after watching episode 4 cuz I I thought episode 4 was amazing. Jam-packed. Yeah, but after seeing that analysis, I feel like I want to go back and rewatch it and see some of the subtleties or some of the nuances that they do with each other. Well, even the new guy that she brought in, he feels kind of like <laughs> he has carry treats as well. Um So, essentially, they hatch this plan to go to Simone's office and shake her down. They're spying on her, and they break down her car, which she calls AAA or whatever Mm. other auto service thing. They intervene the call. So, she's waiting, and and they basically go, and they're like, you know, tell us um, if you were involved in this thing, and we want money. They want to see who she's going to run after when they hustled her down for money. That's the plan. That's the plan. The plan kind of hits several speed bumps. First, the bug doesn't work. And then after Carrie, like, intervenes, meets her at a bar or restroom, that's another bug. She leaves her person in Uber. Bugs did not go it, as planned today. It was today. just not, no. you know, it wasn't happening. Um, but at the end of it, Dante's like, no, 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 we got good stuff today. This is still really cool and interesting. She still ran into Dante, and there's enough to, you know, bring in, bring her in for questioning or put her in front of a, a Senate committee. And so that that happens, and it seems like, oh, okay, well, even with these bumps, maybe they got what they wanted until the very end when Max is like, okay, Carrie, you got to look at this. So after they shake Simone down, I can't think of a better way of saying that. Like they, they shake her, her down, right? They yeah, scare yeah. Her. Um, what was beyond? Did they not? I feel like they they tortured yeah, yeah. her a I little. Mean, yeah, they, they were physical. Even though Carrie told her don't hit her face. If anything, it's good that she explicitly told him. I think twice, don't hit her face because he probably would have. Yeah, she probably saved her face a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> um, she does go running to Wellington, which is exactly what they wanted her to do. But then it turns out she doesn't even tell him what's going on. So then it's like, whoa, who is she actually working with? That's a, that, that was a big revelation. You know, and, and, and you kind of get a little bit of that. Um, if anything, I feel like uh, we might be villainizing women a bit on this show. Because Saul goes to meet his Russian friend. Mm-hmm. And after he meets with his friend, his friend is like, you know, I don't think it's the Russians for now. But then later he makes a phone call and he's like, maybe we should look into his wife of his that's at home. I feel like there's a suspicion that some of the women working behind the scenes might be Women can be villains, too. It happens. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So 
big question marks now. We don't know if Wellington is even the man who was responsible behind McClendon's yeah. death. And again, I think Saul mentions that it could be a situation where there's foreign intervention that saw division. They saw the cracks. They saw what might potentially, you know, look bad on the president, on our other groups, and they sort of like made the stuff happen in order to create more dissension, more anger, and so forth. And it could be something minimal. I In this episode, we also saw a, a, a rally that felt a little bit like Charlottesville, mm-hmm. where the president was able to get the FBI's widow to attend the services of everyone mourning. I, I don't think it was specifically for one person. I think people were just mourning yeah. together. Yeah. And I feel like... Even that, like, you don't necessarily need to go in and create a, a riot and incite that. All you needed was a picture. And that's, that's again, a dem- democracy is really fragile. And anytime, if you follow any history book, it, it could collapse just like that. And a simple picture could bring the whole thing crumbling down. You don't even need people fighting in the streets. You don't even need a, the, the, the situation at with the FBI. All you need is a picture. And that's so scary. It is. I mean, in the right context, in the right situation, yeah, it just takes one detail to, you know, make the 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 whole situation collide. Um, if anything, though, I feel like Keen in this episode, very smart thinking. She's trying to figure out um, how to disol- uh, or not not make the the riot or the not the riot, but the potential. Um, uh, demonstration get out of hand. So yeah, she asks the widow of the FBI agent to uh, to go to the funeral because she was like, it was it should be a memorial for everyone who passed away. And it seemed like it was going to be tense at first. Like she was already getting people like yelling at her, but it seems like it worked. The the mother of the 16-year-old boy, Mary Elkins, she takes her and she holds her hand. And, and that was a nice it moment. Was nice. So it was anything, nice. Very good planning yeah. on Keen. That was a very good strategy that ended her with the situation that she wanted. And then she goes with on a press um, or a, a, a national address and talks about what's going on. Um, and so it seems like, at least for now, you know, that situation seems to have settled a little bit. And thank God, because <laughs> it's been a mess. Yeah, it, it's really good. So, I mean, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff happening here, and I think it's setting up nicely for this season. So, I guess we can, you know, talk about predictions now. Let's do predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV <laughs> predictions. 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 Um, so, there's a lot of things going on. First, we saw in the previews that Carrie and Saul are finally going to have some interaction. Ah! Yay! Love Carrie and Saul. <laughs> They're the best. Um, so Saul does talk to his old friend in this previous episode, right? Because he's trying to figure out, you know, what foreign entity could be meddling, if it's the Russians and so forth. What What do you think is going to be Saul's path here on out? Uh, that's a really good question. I, uh, I, I don't know what his actual path is. I feel like I, I miss the CIA. I feel like the FBI works in a, a different fashion. And he doesn't even work for the FBI. He works for the NSA, which, as far to my knowledge, it, it's more about surveillance than anything. So I don't know where Saul goes from here. It is interesting that he ends up meeting Carrie finally. Thank God. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I am hyped for that. But I, I don't know where exactly his character goes Beyond just 
you know, interviewing a few people. Well, it's interesting because in the preview, she's telling him about how she's been um, uh, had a surveillance on Wellington, and he's just like on whose authority? <laughs> Very reminiscent to season one when she was watching Brody, and he was literally trying to save her butt, trying to get her the right clearance or authorization to do that because hello, huge major law she's breaking, and she does it with such, you know, ease. It doesn't phase her at all. Um, but yeah, no, so, you know, he's been talking, he was talking to an old friend here, and uh, from, if I'm correct, I looked online, this guy, Ivan, was an associate of Allison back in season five, Allison Carr, who, as okay. we remember, she dated, she was in a relationship with Saul, and then ended up being a double-crosser. I don't know. That's right. I That's feel right. like maybe... Someone in this, in either the White House or just involved, is working with probably the Russians, and I feel like they're trying to parallel, um, you know, obviously current state of affairs. But yeah, there's definitely. I feel like we're gonna get some double crossing, some double agent that's all gonna have to try to figure out. I think what's going on. I think that's a great prediction. I, I think the double crossings start now. I, I, I feel like they've they've laid out the groundwork for that and I'm I'm hoping to see double crossings at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um well, I'm not really sure what's gonna happen with O'Keefe. We didn't see a prediction with him. Um Dante and Carrie. It kind of feels like they're setting it up to be a little romantic. I'm not feeling it. I think it's interesting though that this other guy, Anson, that they brought in was also an ex of hers. So I feel like Carrie's going to end up hooking up with someone. <laughs> I'm not sure who, but my prediction is she hooks up with someone. I don't think that's so far-fetched. No, I don't think it's far-fetched at all. Um, well, that was uh, that was good. That was great. Episode four and five. Roger, tell the good people where they can find you. All right. Uh, my name's Roger, obviously, and you can find me on Twitter, Roger underscore Corral. Beef Supreme? Beef Supreme every now Sometimes, and then. I'm still trying to lay down the yeah, yeah. All right, fantastic. Well, I'm Leslie, and you can find me on all social media at Leslie the Face. Thank you guys so much for watching, and catch us next week for another episode of the After Buzz Homeland Show. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 